Hello, friends. Welcome to the Online Pastor Podcast, a place for you to discover faith and explore what it means to follow Jesus, experience God, and navigate life as a person of faith. My name is Amanda, and I am your host and Bible mentor, and I am excited to be on this journey with you. We are back with our series on resilient or robust discipleship and focusing on this part of the series, some of the more unique, I think, aspects of discipleship in our day and age. And last week, I talked about the need to be in community, uh, this tendency towards individualism, being isolated. But I also wanted to be honest about what I called in my title, the conundrum of Christian community. Something I wish that someone maybe would have talked about more early in my journey, or maybe we would have been more honest about. I don't really know how to frame it. This podcast is a little bit more of a processing uh, for me, and I would love your feedback, but I wish that we had talked about the reality of experiencing hurt, confusion, and disappointment in the community, in the church of God, in the spiritual family of God. Way back at the beginning, we leaned into talking about why I was focused on resilience. One of the top qualities of people who are resilient is that they are prepared in advance for the difficulty ahead. So instead of being caught off guard by it, even though it's not easier and it's still just as difficult, the lack of surprise around the difficulty has actually shown in studies to demonstrate uh, a strength that comes from the anticipation or the lack of surprise. And I think I have shared in my own journey how my dad oftentimes would say, like, don't think that you can have a great life here and a great life after. And I remember as a teenager rolling my eyes and being like, thanks, dad. That's really positive and encouraging. But I will tell you the amount of times when I just would come up. um, Yeah, I think even less so against internal things and more so bump up against like, oh, worldly priority is this. Or there is a conflict here of values, even among friends. And it just helped that I was like, oh, this is this is part of like it being hard. I think that we do this very obviously when it comes to like physical transformation, like we are willing to put up with pain when we can anticipate it and believe that the result is worth it. But for some reason, and I still have yet to understand why, in our spiritual journey, sometimes we are less compelled by this vision um, and maybe we just haven't done a good enough job at really understanding, explaining, and Uh, reimagining what community on earth could look like. And so what happens to us is when we run up against disappointment, hurt, betrayal in the community of God, we, a lot of us maybe would walk away. Our knee-jerk reaction is to withdraw. And there is a whole host of reasons for, I think, our own reactions that I probably could do a whole podcast series on like hurt in the church or how to deal with church hurt. And maybe you should let me know if that's something you're interested in hearing how to process that. But the passage I really want to land on today 
is one that was challenging to me as a leader early on in my community. And I don't remember why this came up. Like maybe it was because I was preparing for Easter and really sitting in the um, the Lent series, uh, just the passages leading up to Jesus' uh, betrayal. You know, and there's this moment when Jesus is sitting at the table, right? And he's sitting in the presence of his disciples, these men who have journeyed with him, for three years, they have walked, served, wept, like slept, um, done life with each other. And then you have this moment where Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And you have this reaction from the disciples, like, is it me, Lord? Um, which I just think is fascinating because I don't know what that says about their understanding of their own human nature or... Uh, just the fact that like Jesus, by that time they realize knows things about them that they don't yet know. I think there is a real uh, invitation there for us that we'll come back to. But this moment where Jesus holds out the bread to Judas. And sometimes I wondered as a leader, like why didn't Jesus like just basically protect his group from this betrayer because in the end when I like think about it we oftentimes reflect and teach on Judas's betrayal of Jesus right we think about oh yeah the 30 shekels and we you know in some ways understand like Judas had this like sort of role to play in the larger you know scheme of God's story but the thing that like I would say first for me as a as a Christian leader was like oh like Jesus knew and expected one of his own to betray him. And I think there is, sure, some debate is to be like, did Jesus know this all along? Like, how much was he in his humanity and how much was he in his divinity? I don't know. But the reality is he allowed Judas to sit with him for three years, knowing what was in his heart. Um and and probably also like truthfully i don't think judas just suddenly like most of us does something like a betrayal like there was a love of money in his life um for a long time and i think we all probably can think of people who are journeying that have weaknesses or maybe we even are like we know like we have a weakness for like buying new things or I don't know, like thrifting, maybe it doesn't even have to be weak or like we always have to have the newest piece of technology, the iPhone or the newest computer. And so in many ways, I don't think, I think realistically, when we think about Judas's journey in community, that it probably wasn't a surprise to the Lord of the universe that there was a propensity for greed or maybe even a lack of loyalty to friends. Like I don't think Judas suddenly decided to betray Jesus in the same way that someone doesn't just decide to have an affair or to steal something. There are little steps that happen that are hidden where permission is given um, or we let ourselves off the hook for something thinking it doesn't matter. But the challenge for me as a leader initially was, you know, there is very likely someone going to be in my community who will betray me. It's going to feel like a betrayal. This person will be a friend and something will happen and I will sit at the table as Jesus did 
and say this, or um, I will use the words of David because this was not unfamiliar to him. He writes about this in Psalm 55. And I found this in my early 20s when I was having my own journey with um, church hurt. David writes this in Psalm 55. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. Like David's pretty clear here that there is a betrayal, there is a hurt coming on that is different and more deep than, than if it were an enemy. But it is a friend who once journeyed with David, sweet fellowship, he says, at the house of God. I remember reading that years ago and being like, oh, like, Hurt in the house of God is not a new thing. Hurt by people, my companions, as David says, my close friends in the house of God is not a new thing. And then when I'm sitting there as a leader years later reading the story about Judas, I have this aha moment of like, what would this have felt like for the disciples? You know, they followed this Jesus, you know, seeing him do miracles, but also I think there's an intimacy you know, that comes to putting your shoulder to the plow with a group of people. And when you've journeyed him and changed in, in such a way, like what would that have been like for the disciples to sit in that moment and watch a friend, yes, betray Jesus, but also many ways I think, oh, like betray us. Like he was not one of us or like, yeah, like, I don't know what, what, what would their thoughts have been? What would your thoughts have been? Or what have your thoughts been as you've bumped up against the reality of people's humanity and brokenness in the house of God? And I wish someone would have prepared me for these moments because when you look in scripture, you can find them. Like, even if you think about Job and the story of his friends who are like even kindly meant advising him about there must be sin in his life. I cannot imagine what that must have felt like. You know, Job's kind of like, don't you know my character? Like you're my closest people. And like, you know, here you're saying all these things. And I think that's the part that breaks my heart is that we're not more open about the fact of, of we are all in transformation And when I say that, I mean, like, there's this analogy that keeps coming to mind about when people get sick, oftentimes they say, I don't want to be at the hospital. Where are you most likely to get more sick? At the hospital with other sick people. And for some reason, when we say yes to following Jesus and we end up in the house of God, and I'm going to use the analogy, you're in the waiting room for the bridegroom. We somehow are surprised when we bump up against other people's brokenness. And I honestly, for the life of me, I cannot think of why that surprises us. Because if we are truly sitting there as a confessed sinner in need of saving, and as one who is in the process of transformation, there are areas and times and I think like struggles in our life where we may have a miraculous sort of oh, I lost the desire for that in an instant. But truthfully, those moments are rare. There is a reality to sitting in a room and doing life with a group of broken people. There was a reality to the disciples sitting around the table with Judas. 
And I think the question is, as you're listening to this, is like, who is coming to mind? And I could say, who is your Judas? But I actually think the question of the disciples of, is it I, Lord, is more important, is like, where am I, Judas? Because, and I want to finish the sort of story that comes, is... Peter and Jesus, after dinner, have this interaction. You know, Jesus is in the heart of the of his trial. And Peter has followed him there, right? Because all the disciples turned and fled. I think in the shadow of Judas's betrayal, we have labeled it as that's what betrayal looks like, is Judas going out and, and you know, overtly seeking Jesus' downfall. But what about the moments when Jesus' disciples deserted him? There's a betrayal, isn't there? And then what about the moments with Peter where, you know, he's asked, are you with this man? Are you with this man? And Peter keeps denying him. No, I am not with this man. And then Jesus turns around and looks at Peter. And I just think that in Peter's story, I believe that even some of his initial answer to Jesus, I will never deny you, probably comes in in the wake of watching Judas betray Jesus. And so I almost wonder what sort of this like fleshly, like, I could never do this to you, Jesus. And then what happens? Jesus turns around and looks at Peter. And I, I can't imagine what was in that look. I can't imagine the way Peter's heart was torn. But I can imagine that Peter in that moment knew that betrayal wasn't just like what Judas had done. That inside of him was also Judas, if you want to use that analogy or that name. There is a Judas in all of us. And I think that the reality of that, where we don't kind of own belonging to Jesus, or we don't maybe stand up with him in the way we should or in the moments, you know, where strength is needed, we flee. Betrayal as a worshiper of God, betrayal in the house of God, like that is the moment that we realize we have the potential to also inflict hurt on others in the house of God. I in no way mean to minimize at all what people have gone through because there has been horrific uh, abuse I would say hurt and betrayal in the house of God and that is worth attention alone but my concern is is that people's initial sort of instincts to accuse the church of hypocrisy or to have the disappointment of others not be who they say they are, is that this is this has been true as long as time has been a thing. Like, look way back to Adam and Eve, right? Like, they were not who God was creating and called them to be. And I think there is a reality that I want to share with you, that when you are journeying with people, you are going to come up against their brokenness, And you are certainly going to come up against your brokenness. 
both in like how you react to their like how they have hurt you but also I think in the way in which you maybe hurt others but the gift of the good news really the gospel in fullness is that in the brokenness how do you respond do you own it do you ask for forgiveness do you receive forgiveness from others And so I think the conundrum of Christian community is that we are all in process. People are there because we're sitting equal at the foot of the cross. And, you know, maybe we have had a great experience in church community and um, it unsettles us or unmoors us completely from that when, when suddenly we bump up against the fact that people are human. I want to invite us to see our own Judas, if I can say it that way, is because I think there is a posture shift that happens when we realize that there is a little bit of that betrayal in all of us. I think that is the shock of Peter having Jesus turn around and look at him. Oh, I'm fully seen by you. And you knew this about me before I even knew it about myself. I think the honesty of that gives us some humility and maybe some patience. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Online Pastor Podcast. Please take something away and talk to God about it. But also, don't take my word for it. Grab your Bibles and spend some time with Jesus. Stay current on the next episode by hitting subscribe. And also stay connected by finding us under the handle The Online Pastor. I look forward to being with you again.